Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> trying to do too many things at once. I'm trying to uh, pat my head and rub my belly at the same time. Yes, welcome everybody. Uh, it is Thursday. It is nine. So of course that means it's UK Cowboys time. How are we doing, Mister Lawn? How are we doing? Oh, doing good. Doing good. It's been a busy week so far. Yeah. Uh, March's season here in Longlithgow. So um, yeah, lots of activities. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all going on. Like you're starting to pick up pace now. I like that. It's it's the picking up pace period now. Yep. So uh, yeah, it's all fun and games. We'll get into a little bit of the OTAs and the practice in a in a minute. I'll uh, I'll get your opinion and everybody at home as well. We'll get your opinions. Uh, Paul was supposed to join us, but he's uh, he's had to uh, vacate. So never mind on that one. Um, but we're going to be looking today at. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be looking at the wide receiver position as we're going through all, all the breakdown series at the moment. Um, are we cooking? Mm, big question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll start off, first of all, uh, with OTAs. I'm just going to uh, ask you, and I'll ask everyone at home as well, um, what has it been so far for you, Lauren, that's been the biggest standout of OTAs? Um. <laughs> Initially, you know, there was question marks, obviously, about this offence, and it didn't mm-hmm. seem to be anything, but in the last couple of days, it seems to have come on strong, and you're seeing uh, Dak, Dak hitting this uh, peak as well, and hopefully he can carry this into training camp as well. Um, obviously, you normally expect that defence sort of hits the ground running, first of all, because yeah. it's, it's more a case of disruption of the... the you just reacting. So, yeah. 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 Um, but it, it's good to see that Dak's now getting on pace with just about everybody from all mm-hmm. accounts. You know, he's um, Jalen Tolbert's coming up with some catches. Jalen Burton's coming up with catches. Um, Simi Fuhoko's coming up with catches. Mm-hmm. And then you're hitting, you're hitting nice 60-yard bombs to um, Brandon Cook's run, outrunning the double coverage as well. There so. it is. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one I was looking at. Brandon Cooks, very interesting to see what's going on there. Uh, exciting too. Um, you attested as well, Tolbert, and uh, things going on with the defense. Jabril Cox, a little bit of a, a sneaky standout. I like that. That's good to yep. see. It's what, what I like to see with OTAs, because, you know, it's all install at this stage. So, for me, when I'm watching OTAs, all I, all I, you're not really looking for perfection at this stage, because it's all trying to get used to and get into rhythm and everything. Yeah. You just, what, what you're trying to, what, what you're not hoping for is injuries, which we almost had with CD Lamb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a scare. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and the other one is, well, it's just no big negatives, and it doesn't seem to be um, and my biggest, happiest takeaway uh, from OTAs was in the offensive line, they put, and it's a big tell for me this, they put uh, the two Smiths on the left, Bialis uh, and Martin in reset, and then Waletsko's playing on the right. But what that is a big tell for me is they believe that Terrence Steele is going to be their right tackle. 
by doing that. Because if he's not going to be your right tackle for the year, what's the point in putting Smith on the left? You may as well just keep him on the right, keep him over there, just keep it going, keep it rolling, just leave him over there, get used to it. Because he's he's left tackle, he's been playing left tackle. He did do right tackle last year, mixed yeah. results. But yeah. if you were doing that, you would just keep him on the right and just go, just stay there, Smith. We'll tell you when we're ready. But the fact that they're doing it now, that to me is a very significant tell of that what they're looking at, their projections, their target for when Steele comes back is going to be early and he's going to be their right tackle. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, obviously, you know, I followed Duke Manyweather on um, yeah, yeah. Instagram and you saw Steele was starting to do moves with him sort of just in the build-up probably towards the draft. I think mm-hmm. the beginning of the he started working there. So... Um, that that shows his his recovery is on pace. By all accounts, he is ahead of schedule actually, and they reckon yeah, he will be good to go at the start of camp as well. Um, you know, obviously you're hearing about other players like uh, Jordan Lewis is likely to start on pop, but they're not saying anything about Terrence Steele. Yeah. They're also still saying that they want to get Terrence Steele signed to a long term contract. So you wouldn't be doing that if you didn't think he was going to be ready for the start of the season true, and true. He was, you know if there was going to be any concerns about the injury then you know you wouldn't be looking at you'd be willing to go with him for a prove it year this year but um obviously there's there's still a case of actually getting the deal signed but you know again it's um it's positive that the front office are looking to deal with him as well so yeah yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's, it's all good moves, uh, and the, that, that's the one I'm looking at because I, I made a tweet about how important everything on this team literally revolves around what happens at right tackle, and what happens at right tackle completely depends on Steele's health. And like yeah. when you think about it, the whole thing is just domino. It's like a stack of cards, and if that goes wrong, the whole thing comes down because now you've got to make all these changes to the offensive line. Um, you know yourself, playing the position, that something as simple as a guy, the guy next to you can make huge differences on how you go about blocking. You know, it, and it's little things because you understand each other's body movement. You understand, like, a facial expression or, like, you know, the body language yeah. can say it all to you. And you're just like, oh, right this is what we're doing and it's just these little tiny things that you're trying to do at the next level where you're just like mm. and oh, when you make changes it can disrupt the whole thing and it's like a deck of cards like i say it all comes to me down yeah i mean uh, you almost have to have a sort of spartan set up with them where you know they eat together they sleep together yeah, not yeah. Li- not literally but you know yeah. I mean. <laughs> and um you know the they, they live and breathe together so that you know they know everybody's what everybody's doing and it's you know it, it's with the offense everything is so much about the non-verbals that you yeah, know exactly wide, rece- wide receivers come to the line they look at something they look at dak they give they give an order or something like that yeah you've yeah. got to have the exact same thing with the offensive line but they can't you know they can't once they're set they can't move so Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really does have to be a case of being in, in sync with everybody. So, yeah, um, true. and th- true. this is this is in some reason why you know we've seen different formations during all of the OTAs at the moment, and it won't be until training camp that we actually see who they are truly talking about yeah. going with. Um, but you know, it's still getting everybody a sense of 
who who they're playing with and getting an, an idea of creating that camaraderie and uh, understanding with each other. Yes, yes. Um, so, yes, we will get to the offensive line. Hold on. In two weeks' time. So, by then, we should know a bit more about what's going on there. Um, but this week, we're going to be looking at the wide receivers, which is quite relevant, really, when you think about yep. what's been going on over there. Um, a lot of filler guys that were taking UDFA on the bottom uh, of the draft this year. So, that's going to be quite interesting. I think it's more interesting because of what it does to the guys who were trying to get uh, jobs lower down, you know, like your Dennis Houston's and your your Dontario yeah. Drummonds. These guys are really going to push for comp because when you look at it, it's the the way I'm looking at the wide receiver position is you've got your top three. We know who they are. Then there's your next three, and then there's like this group of guys below that that are all trying to jostle for some sort of position because. Um, you know, I did the article on, on blogging the boys of the wide receiver position, and I know, yep. you know, we've got I've got on there Cavante Turpin as wide receiver four. More than anything, that's because of snap counts. But when you actually look at it, I don't, I don't know. I, and we'll start with Turpin because it's an interesting starting point to go with. Is that I don't really see Turpin, in my opinion, with what's on the roster and what's further or, or potentially what could be on the roster. I, I, just, like, I would love to see it, but I just, I don't see Turpin doing anything more than special teams. I have to agree. I mean, I think, you know, he will likely be sort of a, a sort of lucky whitehead character. I mean, you'll, you'll probably have him on for jet sweeps and, you know, again, we were talking last week with the running backs that, you know, Juice Vaughn will open up the potential for the screen game. I think you could probably do that with Cavonte Turpin as well. Mm -hmm. But you could. Um, I mean, the, the, the one thing to note about Cavonte Turpin this year is that, you know, this is last year he basically played 18 months straight. He'd played mm -hmm. in Europe, That's right. in, the, in the EFL, he'd played mm -hmm. in the XFL, he'd played think, in. Yeah the USFL as well, mm. I think, you know, he basically just played non -stop. four weeks non-stop for 18 yeah. months and then joined the NFL. Mm -hmm. This year he's had an off-season, he's been able to get practice, um, you know, by all accounts, the with the new rule change, there's potential. The kickoffs, you know, yeah. yeah. He's, he's saying he's not he's not going to be taking fair catches, but I'm sure, <laughs> you know, there, there will be instances with, where... You know, it's a hell of a lot safer just to take the fair catch and Easy, yeah. have 75 yards than, you know, especially a couple, you know, he, he muffed a couple of punts, uh, punt catches last year. So, um, you know, make, make the safe catch, go 75 yards instead of maybe lighting it up. And uh, I, I, I truly believe when you look at it right, Lorne, tell me what you think. But in terms of kickoffs, I think eventually it's just going to be a thing of the past. The way that it's going. When you look at the the, the evolution of it all, you know, from the flying wedge, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the way down to what it's now become, and then then they bring in a rule change of you you know, ah, oh, fair catch is now twenty five yards. So five yards makes a difference, and you know, then they do these new rules on the kickoffs. I just to me, I think kickoffs are going to be a thing of the past. I think I think you're probably right. I think they are eventually going to. 
go that way. And I mean, that, that is where most injuries do occur. But, yeah. you know, you, you only have to think about, um, who was it? It was Jeff Heath hitting uh, mm, Lockett. Yeah, that's back. right. Yeah, in the back. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, obviously he then, the scary scenes where he was out cold for a couple of minutes mm. and, you know, took it took about three weeks to start walking again. Um, yeah. You know, that, that was certainly concerning. But um, at the same time, you know, it it's another avenue where players don't, you know, obviously the, the players that fill up the bottom end of your roster, they're normally the ones that are your special teamers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're taking away special teams, it's a lot harder for them because they, they need to actually prove what they can do in in the specific drills that they need to do for their their actual position, so they need yeah, to, be to, able to to evolve perform. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they need to develop and actually be ready to play at a moment's notice in the mm-hmm. game, um, rather than just being a, a core special teamer. So yeah, and especially when you think of like you know like the the defensive players, the play you know like your linebackers, for instance. You know that's a good way. Or, or cornerbacks, it's just a good way to prove yourself that you know you're an able tackler. You can get in there quickly. You know those yep. positions most definitely. You know it's not. I know it kind of can for the offensive plays, but I yeah I, I see where you're going with it. It's this you know it's field experience. You know in front of the crowd with the lights on and the cameras on you. You know all that feel of yep. pressure. Yeah, yeah. But um, that that is personally how I feel about Turpin. I, I mean, like, I, there is a way if you kind of like squint hard enough and, and you, you look at it, you think there could be like the, some sort of like screenplay or like an extended handoff, like you say, or oh, a jet sweep that he comes in. But I just think that Turpin has his role, it's solidified. There are players that we're going to talk about that could be good returners to but he's proven himself already last year he's proven that he can do the yeah. job he's got the role really it's not for him to be worse than the guy below him to lose his job it's for somebody else to be better at this stage it's just that that's your guy that's his role and why you know like in the nfl when when you've got yourself a specific role you don't want to put more on their plate and lose the one thing that makes them special because the one thing that makes Turpin at the moment, especially his punt returns. He is yeah. good at it. There's no arguing that. Um, like, do you want to put more snaps on our fence and take away then that that special ability? And I think that's what the Cowboys are going to uh, try in, or, or what they're going to look to to really keep Turpin at. In that sense, yeah, I I agree. I mean, the the other aspect to look at as well is that you know he was a training camp addition yeah you know whether whether kellen moore wanted him in or not you know the what we've had a whole off season this year and obviously mm-hmm. the offense has been changing to this texas coast offense texas as it's coast. Now being branded. um you know there's they've had a whole off season to actually come up with plays where you could actually factor in a you, you know, a smaller guy like this. And you've obviously, you got Brandon Cooks as well, who's a small yeah, guy. Yeah. So, um, you know, the offense is, 
it is obviously going to be set up for these smaller guys. And maybe maybe that's, you, you know, maybe they can have a, a little niche with um, Kevonte Turpin, but um, it, it just remains to be seen. And, <clears throat> as you say, I think primarily it will be the, the kick return, the punt return, and, um, you know, maybe five snaps a game or something like that. You know, just yeah, 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 yeah. So, here's a question for you minus Turpin, right? Because I think that's your special teams guy that he's on your your final 53, regardless, right? How many and like I say, discount Turpin from this count, how many wide receivers do you think the Cowboys are going to take on? Right, so I think you're I think you're probably going to tr- try and have six receivers this year. Um, so Turpin would be your seven. No, I th- I th- okay. So yeah, probably five receivers then, because I think okay, Turpin maybe. technically is your sixth guy. Is your sixth. Um, so I'm looking at obviously the top three of Cooks, Gallup, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, CD Lamb, and then I think Tolbert's Tolbert's there. Semi. Fuhoko and um, Brooks, I think, are the other two, uh, are vying for the other two. I mean, Simi Fuhoko needs to actually, you know, he has a, he has a great camp. He has a great camp. He, you know, he does little bits in the in the preseason games that kind of make you think he's ready to jump on the yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're hearing all the hype at the moment where they're talking, Dax saying that, you know, Simi's ready to, to take the Cedric the Cedric Wilson leap, yeah, but we haven't okay. really seen, we haven't even, you know, Cedric Wilson at least contributed it's coming the first on. couple of years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, because when you look at Fahoko, it's nothing. It's not even, yeah. so, like, you go, oh, there's some special teams, but it's like, that's the thing, it's some. You can't even say there's a lot. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, and as I say, Brooks, I mean, Brooks, again, you've been hearing that he's been making the catches that obviously have... The the scouting department obviously had scouted him well and before the draft because nobody else seemed to have scouted him. I mean, he wasn't listed on Dane's list. You you hadn't seen anything. Um, the the draft show itself. They you know they were having to scout on the fly. Uh, Beamer actually managed to have some of the uh, <laughs> managed to have some of the tape ready so that they could actually you know look at it in in the room while they were while they were talking about it so <laughs> yeah um, i mean because go, go on sorry continue, continue. No, no 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 so i mean we don't know what we don't know what's going there but i mean obviously again it's mike mccarthy likes to the people that are drafting they're always looking to get cheaper and younger wherever possible um, yeah, you know, and actually, I think you're seeing that around the league. You know, obviously today you're hearing that um, the the Vikings are about to part ways with Alvin Cook. Yeah. They're, they're obviously they've got a younger guy in Madison coming on, and you know it's it's a way of getting cheaper um, and looking at getting him out, getting uh, Cook out of the way as well. So um, you know, it, the NFL really does stand for not for long. They're so. very true. Very true. But uh, just a quick shout out to all our fellow Yukis bringing in the comments. Loving them so far. Some very, very intelligent comments. <clears throat> I don't know why all of a sudden everyone's gone so highbrow. Chuck in some, uh, some of them. <laughs> what we're used to around here. But 
let's start off then, right? First, we'll go in order and we'll, we'll touch back on... We won't need to touch on Turpin. We might yep. dip back into Fahoko. But let's start at the very top with wide receiver one, C.D. Lamb. Yes, I'm, I'm wearing C.D. Lamb appropriately. It's the wide receiver mm-hmm. position, so I thought, mm, I'll try and match everything up, look coordinated for a yep. change. Uh, here's a crazy one for you, right? I don't know where the time has gone, but this is his fourth year in the NFL. Yes, yes. I mean, where did that it, go? I don't know. It, 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 I think because obviously, you know, he initially came in with the Amari Cooper thing, and literally <laughs> yeah. it, the whole question, it, it's been his show this last year where, you know, he was asked to step up and be that number one receiver. I think mm-hmm. he was able to sort of glide through the first two years. It, don't get me wrong, he, he was a contributor and, he, you know, he's got better each year. But the, yeah. the last year is the, the first year where, you know, everything was focused on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is why it's sort of come so quickly. And, you know, it, it was only, you know, around about draft time when they said, yeah, they've activated their fifth year option. And you're thinking, wait a minute, is that really the end of his third season yeah, already? So. I know. Um, yeah, as you as you say, it's gone really quickly. So flown um, by. Uh, but I mean, like when it, when you look at it, it was like a very weird season last year for CD, and much a part of it, of it. Like a lot of people keep comparing Lamb with Jefferson, and I think it's still a bit weird <laughs> because people. I, I had comments last week. Uh, while I was on holiday, and they were like saying, Look, is C.D. Lamb, do you consider it a bust when you think we could have had Jefferson? It's like, well, no, because C.D. Lamb still finished last season with four games without his starting quarterback and finished fifth amongst yep. wide receivers in yards. Um, I'm a bunch of other statistics too. And you're like, that's not bad. You can't consider a top five wide receiver a bust just because the number one receiver was available yeah. to you. Like, to me, it does not matter. As long as you strike on it, it doesn't matter who's first or fifth or whatever. And here is, like, for me, the most notable thing is that he still had 67 first downs and over 1,100 yards with a month without Dak, without his starting quarterback. And the backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, we know the arm talent isn't quite there. So he still managed to put up some crazy numbers. To me, I think as long as he, he, he has his quarterback, and we know him and Dak do have a fairly good connection together. There's quite good chemistry there. Yep. Uh, I think as long as those uh, uh, to stay the same, then it's going to work out fine. I think he's going to have because a lot of comments, if you remember the start of last season, Lorne, was is CD Lamb a wide receiver one? Like, if he is, would you consider him a low end wide receiver one? It was a lot of the comments, and to me, I was just like, no, he is. Regardless, just just wait, uh, and we get to see it. Do you consider him now? As a wide receiver one, I'm not saying you said it, but do you consider yeah. him a wide receiver one? And is he a top end wide receiver one? I, th- I certainly think he's a top end wide receiver one. I mean, the, the whole the whole question again because we were we were getting rid of Amari Cooper last year. The whole question was that you know, in in the first two years, you talked that Amari was one A. 
Gallup was one B, CD Lamb was one one C, or what, whatever order whatever order you had them in. But yeah. you know, you, you then had obviously you had Gallup coming off an injury. You had mm-hmm. question marks about whether he would be ready and whether he, you know, obviously there was something that was whether it was mental or whether there was something physical because he did have a clean-up surgery, but Gallup Gallup wasn't up to scratch last year. Mm -hmm. So the pressure really was on C.D. Lamb. And, you know, we started the season with um, Dax Dax guy, Dennis Houston, being on on the roster as well. Yeah, yeah. And there was chopping and changing with that. Um, You then had four weeks where... Cooper Rush was the quarterback and he was hooking up with Noah Brown because obviously they had the rapport from playing with the twos. Um, so it took a while for C.D. Lamb to, to to get started. Now, now the comparisons with uh, Justin Jefferson, I mean, you could put Justin Jefferson into this offense and would he be would he be as effective in this offense? Would C.D. Lamb be as effective in the Minnesota offense? It's it really is difficult to compare. compare. It's impossible to say. Yeah, it's it's apples and apples. You know, it's it's how do you compare that? But mm-hmm. um, agree. Agree. CD Lamb towards that end of the season, he was you know he was getting double teamed. He was getting triple teamed. He was yeah. still actually getting making catches, and you know getting space, getting in, getting touchdowns, and you know being a big weapon for this offense and if nothing else opening it up for other people as well the the tight ends everything focused on what cd lamb was able to do so cd lamb has developed every single year and i've got i don't see him coming to the top of his curve yet i can no i'm the same yeah yeah another year of expansion and um you know he's going to earn every penny of whatever contract jerry lays in front of him and um, yeah, you know gets yeah. bartered for so well I mean this is his last year talking of his contract where he's earning single digits in the million yeah. dollar figure uh, next year I think it goes to 17 and then after that whatever they decide to do um, so this is really it now uh, the, the the final of his, his pure rookie contract um, but I think the biggest factor I think for C.D. Lamb that's going for him. When you look at it, we'll talk uh, about Brandon Cooks and Mike Gap in more detail now. But um, I think what what the best thing that's happened now with Brandon Cooks and Mike Gallup is for me, okay, both can have elements to their game where they can play in the slot. But for me, both Gallup and Brooks are outside receivers. They, they, they play on the fringe. On the outside, yep. that's where they're best. That means that you could put C.D. Lamb back at what he was best at, is his natural position, which is in the slot. Now think about what you could do with with that, with a burner on the outside, physical guy on the other side, and Lamb in the slot. I think that is going to go so much further for, for Lamb this year. Because what you, what you find, like Lamb does have abilities to go down and catch the deep ball. We've seen it. You can't. You, yeah. you can see it. He's able to do it. He's able to run those in, intermediate routes. But where Lamb is best is on those short breaking routes where you could just throw him the ball quickly, get the ball to him as quick as you can, and then just let him go. Let him be the playmaker with the ball in his hands as opposed to trying to win on routes. 
Because yeah. when you do that, the results are enormous. The best place to do that from? The slot. So that's why he fits so well. He becomes that big slot guy. Uh, and when you think about how they're going to go with this this Texas Coast offense, um, I think that is the, 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 the biggest enablers. As well as, as well, which is a, an even bigger factor, I think, which is quite helpful for Lamb, is that offense coordinators different now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the whole thing as well that, you know, all these all these plays, again, the criticism, criticism of Kellen Moore was that there was a lot of stop, stop plays for receivers. So curls, hooks, all yeah. that sort of thing. Too many option routes. C.D. Lamb at his best. Go back to that New England game, the, the, the catch in overtime where caught it over the middle, coming out the slot, broke away from his receiver and then waved him bye-bye as he went into the end zone. Yeah. That, that's um, that's C.D. Lamb at his best. That's what you mm. want C.D. Lamb doing. And that's what you'll get with this West Coast offense. You'll get the receivers running the ball and getting into space. And it's again, it's all about yak. And C.D. Lamb it is. It is. is a yak receiver more than he is a... a a pos- he's a possession receiver. He will he will make the tough catches, but yeah, you know, get him the ball and let him do his work and just you know, go for it. Yeah, o- o- Oklahoma's offense when he was there. I mean, he was he was primarily running all over the field, catch the pa- catch the short pass and run it into the end zone. Mm. Um, so this is this is going back to his, you know, how effective he was back in college. This should be. Mm bringing him into the pros with that as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And a testament to how good he is with the ball in his hands, they had him on punt returns. Yeah. Because they knew, catch the ball, just let him go. <laughs> um, so, now, But let's move on to the next guy, Brandon Cooks, because this, for me, is really exciting. Um, I, I have been saying all draft season, look, the Cowboys, what they need to do is they need to go get, you know, like Tank Dell, something like that. Somebody who's a downfield burner, who's going to go down, that's just what it's missing. Um, you could say there's still a missing, which we'll get into on wide receiver four position, if you like. Um, there's something missing still. But regardless, they filled the biggest void. Brandon Cooks, for me, I call it the pinch of salt, or, you know, like what I've said before, is he's like the MSG of the wide receiver core, <laughs> where because he's this downfield threat that has to be accounted for, you've got to put maybe not so much shell coverage, but you still need to have somebody bracketing that threat. Um, By doing that, what you're doing is you're reducing focus on it on other things, which means Gallup and Lamb are the biggest beneficiaries of that. That's why I like Brandon Cooks. And 10 years of playing, decade now, right? Came into the league very, very young as well. But going through it, you know, when you look at his skill set, the type of wide receiver he is, and the biggest thing going for him is, for me, is injury history. There is like hardly any of it. There's spats, yeah. but nothing where you're like, ooh, nothing's going to hinder him. And I think that's the biggest thing. And we're already hearing in OTAs that him and Dak are connecting. Everybody's loving what they're seeing. They're loving like the bang nine, the the big routes, the nine routes, you know, posts, corners. He's doing them already. And they're striking, and it's making a difference. And like they're saying that the breaks and the releases in his routes are just phenomenal. Like he just gets it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, again, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, having somebody who has that veteran presence has has been on two champion, two Super Bowl playing teams as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, knows what it takes to get there. Knows, you know, has the experience, but is still young enough. I mean, he's yeah. he's the right side of thirty at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, from that point of view, it's fantastic. Um, and it, you know, it should allow him to, you know, carve a niche in this. It's almost like the, you know, Randall Cobb um, signing that we had a few years ago, where, you know, it, it, it was a weapon that actually had defenses worried about Randall Cobb. And I mean, Randall Cobb is still in this league. Obviously, he's now, he's back together with Aaron Rodgers and up in New York Jets. But, um, you know, it's by by developing a position and actually getting there and, you know, allowing the other guys to actually focus on what they're doing and not asking them to, to be a jack of all trades, you know, you, you are actually going to get a combined um, benefit. You're going to get what um, Cooks can bring, but it's also a weapon that's taking, making this defense is back to the sort of pick your poison. Um, so by having both C.D. Lamb and, and Cooks doing one thing and the other, you know, you then got to re- still remember that Gallup's there as well. You've got to worry about who else is on the field, the tight ends, whatever. Yeah. Um, and this is this is only going to open up the the, the factors on this offense. So. Yeah, I, I'm like the 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 two moves that they made on either side of the ball. Um, really loved. Really loved uh, this one, it was, and you, you, you know, I made a comment that <clears throat> what it is with Cooks is that he's spent nearly the entirety of his game, nearly all, trying to be a wide receiver. One teams have paid him to be a wide receiver. One, this is the problem they've got now at Houston. Yeah. Houston are paying part of his salary to play in Dallas, yeah. um, because teams do overpay for him because he is but the issue is is that he's not really a wide receiver one he's an elite right at the very top as a wide receiver two and the good news is is he's coming to dallas where he doesn't have to worry about being the wide receiver one because that's lamb's job he's coming in here to be he's he's being the straw that stirs the drink, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Or, you know, he is the, the making everybody else bear. Um, and I think it's going to definitely help Lamb for sure. Most definitely, though, on the other side, which is a nice segue, is it helps see, it helps Michael Gallup. Um, I know people are, are worried about Michael Gallup. To me, though, I feel <clears throat> in some parts... When a player comes back, and it goes the same with, with Jabril Cox, I'll fight his corner on this, that all players will say, you come back off an ACL injury, you might be medically able to play. You're, you're fit to play. It doesn't mean that you're at the level that you were pre-ACL able to play. Like That takes at least another year. Because there's a, it's not just the, the, the fatigue and the injury, it's the mental aspect of it all as well. And getting back into rhythm, getting because one of the things that was clear, I think, from Gap is there, there was in some parts 
a loss of his athletic ability. But what was really big, what was most notable, I think, for me, was that he just was kind of like just a step out of sync. You know, like you see lots of things. Like Dak would would throw him a high ball and Lamb would go and jump up and try and high point the ball, but he's completely mistimed the jump. So he's catching the ball as he's coming back down. And he's just like, like little things like that are just like little cues where he's just, a step out of time. Do you know what I mean? He's just the ever so half a step out of out of where he needs to be. Good news is, is he's obviously he's going to be completely clear uh, of the ACL injury. That, and we're moving on. He's got time to develop. He's got time to build chemistry and a rapport again with with Dak. Uh, and he can get back into the flow of it all. And I think that's the biggest thing going for Gallup this year. What do you think? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it, it's very rare that receive any player if they've mm. had a devastating True. injury like that they return the next year and they hit the ground running i mean mm. y- you you mentally you know you're worried about cutting and you know you're worried about can you re-injure it because obviously you look at the wide receiver that everybody was wanting us to sign this off season who you know is going and signed up north and um you know he's he's earning 15 million on a on a knee that basically has has gone twice in his yeah. career, yeah. Um, you know, and not ev- not every injury heals exactly the same. So you always come in, you always come back. You saw it with Dak, where you know when Dak broke his foot and you know the the gruesome injury he had, mm-hmm. it's taken him a couple of years to actually start running the ball again effectively. Yeah, You're, you see it across the board, as you say, Jabril Cox. I mean, he had that another injury, example, well, yeah. and it's another example. Um, Gallup, by all accounts, the springs back in his step. He's not over. He's not thinking about things. So it's again, it's just getting down to going back out there and remembering what what you love about this game and doing what you need to do to be effective. And that's what's happening. That's what we are seeing in this off season. The OTAs, the chemistry is there with Dak. Um, you know. And it's it's just a case of get this new offense on board, and I'm sure by training camp we'll be seeing the the amazing catches that he was putting up a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look at the catch he made where he tore his ACL. Phenomenal catch. Oh, right. <laughs> there's very few people. If you pop up in the air and you know your knees already popped, that you carry on and and make the catch as well. He still made that catch there and yeah. uh, got the touchdown as well. So. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, when you think of Gallup, too, he's, I call him uh, Des Bryant Jr. When you think of the style of play, he, he's not as elite as Des Bryant. I'm not saying that by any means, but, you know, quick off the snap, physical with the ball, physical with cornerbacks, getting up there. When he's got the ball in his hands, he's trucking guys over. That's Michael Gallup. That's how I see it. Yeah. He's just that, that just lesser version of Des Bryant. And you think an ACL injury, I mean, look, Des Bryant gets an injury. What do the Cowboys do? <laughs> you know, they cut him because, you know, he's he's obviously at that age and he's moving on. But anyway, digressing. When you look at Gallup, he's got this this athletic ability. You take that away. Same with Jibron Cox. You take that away from an injury. It's going to affect them initially for, for an injury like that for a year. But we'll see how it goes. Like you say, they, everyone keeps using the word springy. He's using the word springy, and you just yep. used the word springy. So we're saying that he's getting his springy back. Yep. 
and the, the the best thing that Michael Gallup does as well is he can you know you think that you've got him hemmed in against the sideline. Mm-hmm. He'll go up and he'll make a Lynn Swan style catch. You know, yeah. much like um, the back when, Des Bryant, when yeah when Des Bryant was yeah. there, we had Terence Williams and Terence Williams always seemed to manage to come up with the ball get both feet down and you're like, mm. how the hell did he catch that? Then he'd go yeah. out and alligator arm something in the middle of the field yeah. and you're going, oh, God. But, <laughs> you know, G- G- Gallup has flashes of that as well. But, yes. you know, if you need – you saw him at his best in the in the Rams game last year where, you know, Dak had thrown that deep, deep fade down the sideline and he came up and made that catch. I, unfortunately, you know, as we say, he didn't have it the rest of the season, you know, mentally there was something that was just holding him back. And then mm-hmm. I think the whole thing as well of the Cooper rush for four weeks and then Dak as well. And Dak was off and when he came back or he oh, was yeah. under pressure. He was under pressure to sort of show that he was the guy because already the rumblings had started that yeah, you know, we should yeah, have yeah, Cooper yeah. rush as number <laughs> one. Number one yeah, which never um, made sense. No. Uh, yeah. So, so I think Gallup's going to hit the ground running this year. I think this offense, yeah. f- for all for all the talk is that you know we're going to ground and pound it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, okay, Aaron Rodgers is slightly a step above Dak Prescott at the moment, but Aaron Rodgers was never a re- you know the Green Bay offense. How many times during its heyday was? You coming off and uh, you know Aaron Rodgers is thrown for six touchdowns this week or whatever. Um, so this this wide receiver core is it, it, it's going to be a strong wide receiver core, and I think passing it's certainly going to be up there in this league. Yeah, and when you think about it, what they've done in the off season, um, you know, you could say with the loss of Ezekiel Elliott, you know, the running back position has gone slightly down in talent where the wide receiver position has gone up so you know completely going along with everything that's that's flowing with the idea of this texas coast offense uh, yep and all those ideas going along with it but you mentioned the play earlier let's get to him then so i know we, we're discounting turpin because we we spoke about him first more as the special teams guy jalen tolbert then um now, I've had many a discussion, um, some of which have turned into arguments on Twitter over Jalen Tolbert. Um, he's, for for all of its worth at the moment, people are saying, you know, he's looking great. He's looking good in um, in OTAs. We'll get to that in a yeah. second. Um, things are all on the app for Jalen Tolbert. My issue is, is A, it's OTAs. It's in-store work. Take everything, like especially you see with that, with a slight pinch of salt. You, you know, as long as the athletic ability and things that are happening are happening snappy and fast and crisp, that's good. The issue I got is not even the three targets last year that he got. It was that when he got the chance, when they said, go out there and do something, Talbot was just completely, like, like you can't say being offside, <laughs> lining up offside uh, on a snap. You can't say that that's the coach's fault. It's not. You're the guy lining up there. you got to know where you need to be. You can't say it's the coach's fault when you're running the wrong route or that you're in the complete wrong space 
or you're occupying an area where a wide receiver already is, those aren't coaches' problems. They're a player's problem. Yeah. So you have to think how far down was his development coming in? Because, you know, South Alabama, fair enough. You could say there's going to be issues of the level that he played at playing there. But, like, how much of a role can he carve? Like, in order to be, like, where people are expecting Talbot to be, and you think of where he was last season, this jump has to be huge. Yeah. And that's my argument I've had. I'm like, okay, I get it. But th- this this jump that you're saying he's going to make, that's a monumental jump. That's massive. That's, like, not something we... we it's like an NFL record-type jump to do that. The impact that you'll have, you kind of have to just wait for a moment and wait and see. What's your take on Jalen Talbot, Lorne? I know there's a few comments coming in on him. But what's think... your take on him, and how do you foresee how he's going to impact the offense this year? I, th- I think, that obviously, the main thing to look at as well, you know, obviously he was a draft pick last year, came in, you know, OTAs, he was there for the beginning of OTAs, mm-hmm. then he came it came down with, I think it was a hamstring injury or That's something right, like that. Yeah. That then meant that, you know, you you scale things back, you, you almost go into taking the mental reps as you hear about, but the mental reps when you're a rookie trying to develop yourself in this league and develop the chemistry yeah, yeah, yeah. with a, yeah. a QB that you've, you've literally spoken to on the telephone once or twice um, that has an effect and then you go off for a month like the players are about to do they're about to get six weeks off before they go and report to training camp you know never get that he's he's rehabbing you you know Dak will have gone off and you know Dak's a big star now so Dak's filming you know filming commercials for things you know the the real white housewives of Dallas and all that sort of thing last year um so you don't develop that chemistry there. You get to training camp and you're literally, you're going through the install, you're going through everything in one period. And I think, you know, mentally, it, if if you're not ready for that jump, um, because, I mean, a pro-style offensive playbook is pages and pages more than anything oh, yeah. that you've had at any any college, even even at Alabama, you know, you're you're still add another fifty pages onto that sort of thing. So, um, you know, you're asking for, you know, a, a big leap from anybody anyway, especially if they're not they're not coming in at a, a number one uh, draft pick level. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that's where it was, and I think he just hit that wall, and just nothing he could do separate himself. Never. Never was on the same page with anybody, you mm. know. And you know, I don't think you know it wasn't a case of him messing around in in training or anything. No, like no, that. no, no. Yeah, he was trying his best. It was just a case that you know he was at he was at his limit last year. Mm. Now we did. There's a lot to take on. I agree. Yeah, and I and again, you know, the initial years of Noah Brown and uh, Cedric Wilson, you you saw very little out of them. Yeah, Maybe true. saw a few flashes in training camp, mm-hmm. um, but you very rarely saw them in a game. Noah Brown in a game normally meant that it was, it, you know it was he was that Des Bryant style of body. So you know it mm-hmm. was normally much like Devin Street as well. When we had Devin Street, it was yeah, a case I remember of, that one. You yeah. know, there, there's a run coming here. 
and mm. you know he's on to block. Um, and it was only a couple of years after that that Noah Brown developed, Cedric Wilson developed. I think this is what you're going to see as well. But with everything else, I think he really needs to make the most, actually get on the field and show the coaches that they have faith in him. He's, he, it was a mulligan last year. You've got this He'll give it, yeah. Next year. yeah. Um, but I think he really needs to show out this camp. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, again, where we're t- in some positions, we're saying that, you know, year two is still okay. Year, th- year three is when you really need to show it. That's where you're going to be. Think, you're gonna be yeah. I, I think he needs to show something this year to allow him to get to, to year three. Otherwise, he's going to be a sort of Kelvin Joseph, um, you know, on the roster bubble for year three. Um, yeah. Obviously, Joseph has the higher draft pick, yep. so he's got yep. a high value. Yeah, yeah. But sure, I know what you're saying in terms of like questions being asked there. I, I like, I I do think that in some ways, when you think like they lost Amari Cooper last year um, to Cleveland, there was obviously the Michael Gallup thing coming on. So you had Noah Brown who's coming in, and everybody's kind of rolling their eyes like, oh geez, here we go. And I think there was perhaps maybe too much pressure put on. I, and I'm just about, just to, you know, I'm, I will stand up for him as well as talk about his negatives. That was there too much pressure on a, a rookie wide receiver like that, where they're just like, we're going to, we've got a lot of eggs in your basket right now, Tolbert. We need you to be the guy. And I wonder if maybe that, that just kind of cracked a bit too much. Um, you know, just too much on his plate with everything else that they were trying to make him be more of the guy than what he was ready to be. Um, so I think there's a bit of that, and then he gets lost in the shuffle with the commotion of the season when they lose dark and everything else. So, you know, Talbot kind of goes by the wayside in terms of what the coaches were perhaps trying to do. So it may have been a bit of that, but I, I, I totally agree with you that you 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 wait till year three. And um, what's there is there. That's your third year. If yep. it's not really developing or moving on, yeah, look look to go past it and to move on to the next guy. And the next guy, obviously, you've already mentioned as well, Simi Vahoko. Massive Cowboys fan. You cannot deny the love for the game. The issue is, is the guy just hasn't had a chance to play any snaps for Cowboys. Last year, played 79 snaps, which included special team snaps. When you think there's like 60 snaps a game, <laughs> it's just like yep. there's nothing. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, I, I like what Simi has. And even come in when, when they drafted him, watched the tape, loved it. The size... The speed, the height, you know, that the those fifty fifty balls are not fifty fifty balls with Simi Fahoko. He he's gonna snag these and he's a big guy to try and take down. But I it's just like you, you think of the other wide receivers that are on this roster, you you look at what's there and you look at what Simi's lack of what he's done so far, you kind of just have to worry about how much longer he's got before they're going to give up on this. I don't want them to, because I think he does have something to offer. And, you know, we've got another jump ball specialist 
in the UDFA department that could work out. But that's that's what Simi could do. He gives you something different that all the other wide receivers don't have. But yeah. it just seems to be that he's he's lacking in the refinement of where they expect him to be. Not just even at this stage, like just generally. I think I think the big thing about Simi Fuhoko is obviously he came from Stanford. Stanford, wasn't it? Stanford yeah, yeah. Stan, Stanford. Wide receivers at Stanford run three patterns: yeah. post, yeah. post, fly, and post corner. Yeah, there's not a lot of intricacy in the footwork on yeah. that. There's no when movement you, either. Yeah, when you step up to the NFL and you're asked to run a five-yard slant, you better you better make your cut at four yards. And are ready there for the five mm. catching the ball at five yards, um, you know. It, and you've got to be there's got to be no wasted motion in that. And I think True. that was a that was a criticism of him coming out of college was his footwork. And I think by again by all accounts, you know, again he knows that this is put up or shut up here. He's he's been working with Dak in the Dak yard this season. The by all accounts again. And yes, we are in hype season at the moment, but by of all course. Accounts, by all accounts, he his footwork is a hell of a lot crisper this year. Um, now, does that translate when you get when you get into a game? You're tired. You're play number fifty six of the game or something like that. Are you still running them as crisp as you have been play one? Um, you know, are you still willing to make the catch over the middle? Um, with somebody bearing down on you, that's that's what we need to see. And but he needs to get on the field more than the sixty plays that you're talking about for special teams and whatever. If you yeah. think with all the turnover that we had last year, where you didn't have Gallup for five games, you 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 were swapping receivers around. Dennis Houston took up a roster spot. You had other people coming in. And you weren't seeing anything from Simi Fuhoko was hardly on the field. Um, you know that is concerning that he didn't show it last year. This he's where we're where we're talking about the pressure being on for Tolbert. I think the pressure is magnified for Simi Fuhoko this year. And if he shows something in training camp, but not enough for the this coaching staff, it's it's another potential trade offering trade bait for bringing in somebody that you do need to bolster another position if need be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, it'd just be sad because, like, he's just – his love for Dallas is just there. You you know yep. it, you know. So it would be sad because you'd never want to hurt someone's dreams, but this is the way it goes. But you did mention a name, and we'll, we'll talk about him because – um Lebarski did ask about him too is Dennis Houston. Um so obviously my little write-up on Houston is that Houston's biggest plus positive from last season was one of you know, there was two parts going from one was that the Cowboys just needed him. They needed this wide receiver. He flashed in preseason. Um he tried flashed in camp. The biggest thing that was going for him, though, was this this chemistry that he had with Dak. The, both of them, it was immediate. They, they were both together on the same page, and they could read and understand each other. Dak gets lost uh, very early <laughs> week one against the Bucks with a thumb injury. Dennis Houston's biggest plus, 
is then taken away from him. So then yeah. he just falls into obscurity. There's no because he just they did try to bring him in, but there was nothing there. I think he caught maybe one pass, I believe, or, or he got one target. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's certainly, what, what little numbers he had in week one, they they dropped off in week two, Even and then so. yeah. and then he was off the roster week three. Three he was right. back on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, and, have you heard anything of him at this stage? Again, again, he's you know he's been working with Dak. I mean, you know, he's obviously taken a play. He's taken a play out of Drew Pearson's playbook where. You know, Drew Pearson, when he came out as a free undrafted free agent, he went and got in with Roger Staubach, and that the yeah, rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, again, he's he's doing everything he can to work with that during the off season, get that, keep that chemistry there. Um, but so far, I haven't seen anything showing up too much in the in the in the write ups. Um, yeah. He's I suppose, in, 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 again, in some respects, it's no no news is good news. If he if he was dropping everything, then you'd hear about that from yeah, true. the writers. But um, you know, um, he's he's not making spectacular catches that are. I just are, think are the the praise for him as well. So. Yeah, I just think, and we'll talk about you know what they've done in this draft cycle as well with some guys. I just think that. Last season, he was a product of um, he was a product of, of like a lack of wide receivers that we had, and it was just like, oh, this guy is is like flashing the best. So you just wonder, like this season, was it just because he flashed on he flashed on a team that was lacking wide receiver depth that we were just like, oh wow, we were enamored by just what little he did, just looked a lot. Um, but this year, there's a lot more depth there, and the talent is fairly good. Um, somebody, and you spoke about him at the start of the show, Jalen Brooks, that they took with the final pick. Yeah. Um, now, we've spoken about day three picks by Dallas all the time. <laughs> and, you know, there's round six and round seven guys, Noah Brown, a good example, that just seem to stick around. Like, Dallas refused to let these guys go. They love to keep them around. And Jalen Brooks, I think, is he again like I so I've watched a little bit more tape on him. There's not much because he didn't play all that much because he kept transferring. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he plays at uh, South Carolina for the last year. He does a little bit, not much, but does a little bit. But the bits that you do see all seem to be that he's this. Um, and I was trying to remember his name. I, his name keeps escaping me. Fantastic wide receiver. Played for the Bears for a little bit. Was really good at jump balls. Oh, he reminds the... me of him. Yeah, I know. Again, <laughs> yeah, the name's on the tip of my tongue. I could have googled it, but I just could not be bothered. I was like, I just yeah. say the. I think it begin with J, maybe. Hmm. It did begin with J. Yeah. Anyway, so he reminds me a little bit of that. And when you think what that could present in the red zone is very interesting. So I I think Jim Brooks is one of those guys that if he does enough and Simi Fahoko is still behind, 
That's your takeover right there. Yeah. That's the surprise takeover. That, you know, Brooks could be the guy. He could be like last year's Houston, funnily enough, where he'll flash a lot in training camp, will flash early and then kind of fizzle out a little bit. Um, but that, you know, you can't expect wonders from every player. But it's a start from what you're about to see. And then he's going to develop from there. That's how. That's what I'm thinking with Jalen Brooks. What's your feelings on him, though? It's, yeah, I mean, the, the pressure's on, for, or I think the pressure's off. I think some way that, you know, the, the, the Cowboys will try and keep him on this roster in some yeah. way, if, if they can. They have done with, um, previously with the last three three years worth of draft picks, um, it's and you know what they what they've learned from Tolbert they'll they'll transition that as well they'll try and scheme things so that you know they make the most of the the education process for Brooks as well because um, again it's effectively because he's moved around all the time. It's been a, you know, it's almost like being at a small school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. again, it's that teaching progress. Alternatively, because he's moved around all the time, he's actually he's picked up playbooks and sort of been able to integrate himself into that offense. Yeah. So that maybe gives him an advantage as well. But um, it, it it's up to him to at least get himself into special teams and get get him yeah. some. Get himself on that way. Get himself on the roster there. And again, this is what this is what I'm saying that you know by them eliminating the kicking game, you're you're eliminating the opportunity the possibilities. For guys yeah, yeah. Um, to to get themselves a roster spot. I agree. Um, purely on the special teams, and then develop their their practice uh, practice habits during the week to to get themselves into the offense as well. Now it's a case of really you need to you need to develop and be able to play on offense so that you're called on at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're probably looking practice squad for him this year unless he really lights it up in camp. Um, yeah. But we need to see, to be honest. It's, it's special teams, like you say, is, is the possibility. And I mean, it's the same as well with Dontario Drummond and David Durden is the other guy as well. That these yep. guys they've got good ability, they 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 flash, but it's gonna be special teams where and they need to be really good <laughs> on special teams for them to want to carry them. Because obviously they're not gonna carry all these guys. Some of them are gonna go. Um but I, I mean, you know, Lebowski's asking a good question that if Dak had stayed, would Houston would have you know, would he have been you know more in rotation? And that connection, does that underestimate his position on the roster this year? Yeah. It's tri- what, what makes Houston such a tricky projection is that he doesn't really stand out in any other particular department other than he's really good at being read by Dak. Like Dak and, and him both are on the same. They completely know where they need to be. Unless, like, he can do more in his athletic terms to get up there, the other guys are just overtaking him at the moment. I, I, I don't think it's a case of underestimating his roster position. It's like 
you need you, you, you some like like we've seen. If Dak isn't there, there's nothing really available to you on the offense that Houston can provide. Yeah, and I know we're not. We're, that's like saying, "Oh well, what are you expecting Dak not to be on? <laughs> are you expecting to be injured again this year?" But what I'm saying is that's the biggest tell is that they, they they need to be able to do more than one thing, especially when you're this far down on the roster. Yep. Yeah, I complete, completely agree. It's 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 difficult for him. He needs to. He just needs to get his head down and get get ready to go as quickly as possible. So yeah, to to, to make possible. any impact this year, hmm. it's possible he he's made a step. He's had an entire season to work with the coaches, and there, there is obviously there is something there as a base that they want to work with that they want to build on, other than the chemistry. So you know, yep. you don't know at this stage until we see it more at camp and in preseason games. Like with the installs at this stage at OTAs, it's just really difficult to like say this is going to be the definitive plan at wide receiver. Um, because the other, the only other guy I, I quite, I'm quite happy on, uh, I, I think has a chance is Jalen Morano Cropper. I think more than anything, as just a pure slot guy at this stage, anyway. Um, very high on my rankings in terms of UDFA players. Um, it is it possible I think he makes the practice squad? Like, he's this type of guy that makes the practice squad. And, you know, like, there's that one game where, I don't know, one of the wide receivers is, like, not 100% right, and they're like, all right, bring Cropper up just to cover ourselves. You know, like, he yep. gets called up on the on these practice squad rules, and they call him up, and he's just there as a safety blanket um, for one of those games. Maybe takes a couple of snaps on one of them, but he's there. Do you know what I mean? I think that's how I foresee Cropper this season, and then he, you know, development from there. Then, yeah, I think with with Cropper, you're probably looking at him probably taking somebody like um, Dontari or Drummond's place on on the yeah, practice yeah. squad. You know, higher you're, on the board. Yeah, you're you're constantly churning the the, the practice squad, and um, I think we've invested. Money in Cropper as well. I think we've given them some guaranteed, uh, guaranteed money, which suggests that obviously we've got, uh, we've got interest in him as well. So um, that, you know, e- even though you release him at the end of the year, that's you basically saying I've given you one hundred eighty thousand. Stick with us, and you you'll still get the, the, whatever it is that you get for being on the practice squad nowadays. So. Um, you said you've set it up so that you know he's he's going to make something. In fact, we're paying him. We gave him a ten thousand dollar signing bonus, and we've guaranteed him one hundred and forty thousand. So that suggests mm-hmm. that if he's if he doesn't go off and sign with somebody else, he is going to be a practice squad. And you're sort of saying, well, look, you're making more with us than yeah. going off and being on somebody's roster. So that's it. Yes, but any of the wide receivers you want to talk about? Or are you quite happy there? I think I'm quite happy there. I think <laughs> when, when you get below, when you get below these guys, then you're, you know, unless unless these guys are, you know, the the league's biggest secret, then um, oh, yeah. you know it's practice squad or bust for them. So yeah, I did actually do in the off season for blogging about. I did like all these guys, especially UDFA guys, scouting reports on them, and some of them can be hard to watch. 
Yeah. Um, one of them <laughs> we'll talk about next week on the tight end side. Um, but yeah, um, interesting one from DJ Dog though. Uh, special teams been diminished. Does that mean CJ Goodwin in trouble? I don't think so. He's still special teams ace because you still need him for punt coverage. That's I, what he's. I don't at. think so until until they remove punt punt Punts. team. Then yeah. you know you, you you've got question marks. But I mean CJ Goodwin. You know if nothing else, we're you know as I say, Cavonte Turpin's come out and said he's not he's not fair catching for anything. Hmm. Um, that means that our special teams are still going to be there. Fassel, obviously, I think to a man, every single special teams coach in this league said they didn't want this rule brought in. It's the owners that brought the rule in yeah. and voted it through. I think you'll still, I think you'll still see special teams being a big factor this year until the next change that's made. So, and CJ Goodwin, you know, he's he's produced to date. Um, I think it, it's fair to say that he will still have a roster position this year. He's he's effectively he's still good yeah. I mean, I, again, compare him to somebody. You're probably talking Bill Bates from the the nineties teams. That you know, <laughs> how dare you put your um, name up like that? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still until they get rid of punts, you, you still need special teams. It's just that. I think this is the first stage. Well, it's not the first stage. We've gone through the first stage. We're into like the mid stages now of slowly getting rid of kickoffs. And, you know, other leagues have done other interesting ideas. Um, Chase the turkey and all that, that they call it on XFL. But there's all different versions where they can change things up now. So, yeah, wait and see really on that one. But hit me with it, Lorne, and we can get out of here. Right. Okay. So obviously, we're we're about to go into the quiet period, but this is when most people are actually planning where they're going. So if you're planning on going to a game this year, book with Cowboys Experience for the ultimate meet and greet, stadium tours, game tickets, tailgating, much more. Obviously, get to meet guys like Micah Parsons, Ed Tuttle Jones, uh, Drew Pearson, Randy White. Ah, uh, Kenny the Kenny the Gant, uh, the Shark Gant, yeah, uh, Zach Martin, all of that, um, and of course, if you book with you, uh, the discount code UK Cowboys, what do you get? Freeze death. Yep, and obviously as well, make sure I'll tie in with that. You take a look at the UK Cowboys travel package um, that we put together. Group of us going out, just take a look, see if you fancy it. If you do, ask us some questions. Um, Lon, finish us off then and we can get it. Yep. And then, of course, check check out all of these guys here. Obviously, you've got the the in-house Dallas Cowboys broadcast. You've got um, Blogging the Boys um, with our very own Worlds Team podcast handled by Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got Pick 6 Sports, CF uh, Cowboys fans only, um, Skywalker Steel, Katie's fun tweets, Jeff Reinbold show. Jeff Jeff's obviously a bit busy at the moment. Um, oh yeah, kicking off kicking off tonight in Hamilton. That's um, right. Uh, <clears throat> you've got all sorts here that we have. You know, obviously we've had Mike Tag recently, Cowboys Cave oh. on YouTube. Um, you know, we're constantly adding to this list of Ring of Honor guests. You know, so. I know. We're gonna have to. Um, we're definitely gonna have to uh, look to add and 
change some of those up for uh, for season five. But yes, guys, that is it for this week. Next week, we will be looking at the tight end position. So it's a bit easier. Wide receivers, you kind of got to try and blast through because there's so many of them. So yeah, we'll have a bit of fun with the tight ends. We've got a special guest as well. For so keep tuned in with that. But as always, I'd like to thank everybody who joined us. Comments, questions, all the rest of it. You guys, the Yuki's at home. You are the MVPs of the show. And I'm giving Lorne the last shout, and we'll get out of here. Go for it, Lorne. Right. Okay, well, as I would normally say, have a good week, and I'll catch you next week. And as Paul would normally say, Dallas forever, Philly for never. <laughs> mm.